اللهم لا سهلة إلا ما جعلته سهلة وأنت تجعل الحزن سهلا إذا شئت اللهم لا سهلة إلا ما جعلته سهلة وأنت تجعل الحزن سهلا إذا شئت اللهم لا سهلة إلا ما جعلته سهلة وأنت تجعل الحزن سهلا إذا شئت أمين رب العالمين respected elders and brothers mothers and sisters beloved students listeners السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته let let us take a minute to inshallah move forward and sit as close as possible sisters as well please sit as close as possible brothers here in the hall let's try our best to Sit together. And may Allah allow your, our coming here tonight um, to be a means of, of khair and barakah and afiyah and, and our spiritual well-being. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a source of recharging and rejuvenating our iman in our hearts. And may He make it a means of helping us propagate whatever we learn to others as well. Amin Rabbil Alameen. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وكم قصمنا من قرية كانت ظالمة وأنشأنا بعدها قوما آخرين فلما أحسوا بأسنا إذا هم منها يركضون لا تركضوا وارجعوا إلى ما أترفتم فيه ومساكنكم لعلكم تسألون قالوا يا ويلنا إنا كنا ظالمين فما زالت تلك دعواهم حتى جعلناهم حصيدا خامدين وما خلقنا السماء والأرض وما بينهما لاعبين لو أردنا أن نتخذ له ولاتخذناه من لدنا إن كنا فاعنين بل نقذف بالحق على الباطن فيدمغه فإذا هو زاهق ولكم الويل مما تصفون وله من في السماوات والأرض ومن عنده لا يستكبرون عن عبادته ولا يستحسرون يسبحون الليل والنهار لا يفترون أم اتخذوا آلهة من الأرض هم ينشرون لو كان فيهما آلهة إلا الله لفسدتا فسبحان الله رب العرش عما يصفون لا يسأل عما يفعل وهم يسألون أم اتخذوا من دونه آلهة قل هاتوا برهانكم هذا ذكر من معي وذكر من قبلي بل أكثرهم لا يعلمون الحق فهم معرضون Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the oppress, oppressing nations and He says, وَكَمْ قَصَمْنَا For how many a city, Qarya city, whose inhabitants were doing wrong. Allah Azza wa Jal says, قَرْيَةً ظَالِمًا An oppressive city. Yani the city itself was not oppressive. It was the inhabitants who were oppressing themselves. How were they oppressing themselves? How were, how were they wronging themselves? Because they were committing kufr. They were disbelievers. And they were oppressing their own selves by making them worthy of being sent to hellfire. Allah says, Qasamna. Did we utterly shatter? Qasama, to break the back, break someone's backbone. Right? So Allah says, These disbelieving nations, do you not see how we utterly broke their backs and shattered them right before you? And what did we do? Anshatna. And then we raised up after destroying them, Qoman Akharin, another people in their place. A reminder for all of us that look at people who have disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prior to you. Where do they stand today? The oppressors of today, the tyrants of today, have only to look at the, at the tyrants of yesterday, who we thought would never come to an end. People thought. And it's such an interesting story just to read in this past, let's say, two decades, um, how some of the most uh, you know the, the, the tyrants who ruled their countries For uh, many many decades In what state In what pitiful state their ending came Those very same people who oppressed thousands And hundreds of thousands of people And they didn't just die But they died a very uh, You know a, dis- a, a, a very 
a pitiful death. And Allah allows us to look and reflect upon all of those who are, who are disbelievers or who are sinful believers uh, to whatever degree they claimed. And when, they, when their final moments came, they couldn't resist. They could not hold back and they were destroyed. So this is not just only about towns and cities and villages and nations of, the, of, of thousands of years ago. But even today, uh, recent past, look at people, how, how their ending comes. And Allah Azza wa Jal, every leader goes, Allah replaces him with another. Your person thinks this guy has got an iron grip. What will happen? But everyone has to lose their grip. They will go and they'll be replaced by someone new. And that person also begins to think that I'm here forever. And very soon he's gone as well. And this is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. تَعَزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ مَنْ Allah gives honor to whoever He wishes, disgraces whoever He wishes. And تُعْتِلْ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ Allah gives kingdom to whoever He wishes and takes away the kingdom from whoever He wishes. The, the, the lucky individual is the one who takes heed from others. We have to look at the end, ending of the ظالمين and say, I have to learn not to become like this. Thus, when they ahas, when they sensed ihsas, when they begin to sense ba'sana, our impending affliction, they realize that the earth is now beginning to tremble. Right? You can hear the, the thunder in the sky. The earth is, is shaking. The tremor of the earthquake is about to come. They realized, you know, our time is coming close. Like all of the tyrants of the past recent past of today some, when they realize that the enemy is closing upon them who is the enemy? the enemy is the army of Allah that comes in the form of even a disbeliever the enemy is an army of Allah it's a malakul maut being sent via another disbeliever or a bigger disbeliever or, a, or, or whoever that doesn't make a difference Allah says Allah can make you taste each other's raw power right? Meaning Allah Azza wa can take two nations, take two people and clash them against one another. But they don't understand that they're both God-sent punishments for one another. They're both what? They're God-sent punishments for one another, going at each other's throats. And each one's thinking he's doing it. No, this is the deliver, the one who's delivering Allah's punishment to you. Even though he himself, subhanAllah, he's gonna do his mission and he's gonna go to hell himself. He's gonna complete his mission of destroying this one. And he himself, if he leaves without iman, he's also destined to hell. Al-qatil wal-maqtul finnar. The killer and the one who's killed both in hellfire. And the person is thinking, where did this guy come from? How did he get so vicious? Where did his arms come from? This is the God-sent punishment that Allah Azza wa uses in the form of many different things. No one knows the army of Allah except for Allah. No one knows the army of Allah except for Allah. Allah's army comes in the form of natural disasters. Allah's army comes in the form of tyrants. Allah's army comes in the form of rebellious dis, uh, uh, disbelievers and also sinful believers. It comes in various different ways. So when the man begins to realize he's going down into his bunker, he's going into his palace, he's going into his hiding spot, he realizes the enemy's closing in. Right? Allah says they sought then to flee from it. Rakaba, right? Like to kick. So they're kicking, they're kicking up dust, running for their life. Those who ruled nations, those who ruled countries, who ruled empires. When the noose started getting tighter around their neck, they began to run. Allah says, La tarkudu. Don't flee. Don't flee. Where are you running? Why are you leaving this beautiful palace or this beautiful kingdom that you ran, these gardens and these plantations that you had? What is your come back? Come back to the luxuries in which you once indulged. وَمَسَاكِنِكُمْ And your lofty dwellings. And this is tawbiq uh, from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is getting upset at them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reprimanding them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making fun of them. Allah azza wa jal is telling them that if, you, if, if they say, if you're a man, then oh, come on. If you want to stand up for the fight, why are you running? <laughs> All the time you said, Ain Allah, Ain Allah. Where's Allah? Where's Allah? Allahu Akbar. Right, you hear some of the uh, reports that come from various Muslim countries of people. This is in the news and whatnot of what happened when people go under torture, and as they're torturing, as they're torturing, may Allah protect all of us from becoming a fitna for the Islamimin. But as they're getting tortured, this is the question asked: This is where is Allah? 
Subhanallah, Muslim name in a Muslim country, torturing someone. He says, where's Allah? Where's your Lord? Look here, I'm torturing. I am your God. I am your God. There are so many reports of this, you see, of, of these mass prisons and what type of unbelievable level of torture that uh, takes place is now, past, and also now. So Allah Azza wa is saying, if you said, ain't Allah, and if you said, bring it on, Allah, well, I'm bringing it on now. Why are you running away from the battlefield? Why are you going into hiding? Stick around. Why don't you come back to your luxurious homes and your palaces and your gardens? لَعَلَّكُمْ تُسْأَلُونَ so that you may be questioned now about the destiny of wrongdoing. Now we can sit down and have a conversation. You know, what's going on? But obviously no one's ready for conversation. No one's ready for questioning. No one's ready to meet the army of Allah. Qahalu, they say, Ya waylana, oh woe to us. Indeed, we have been godless wrongdoers. Now they realize that we are wrongdoers and this is not something we should have done. But now at this time, it doesn't make a difference. By you saying I'm zalim right now, how does this help? Uh, you know, they say after the exam is over, everyone knows the right answers. Right? After the exam is over, everyone knows the right answers. But once you turn in your exam, how, what difference does it make you go open up the book? Oh, that's what it means. Oh man, I forgot that. It doesn't make a difference. You can study and know the, you know, can know the exam with the results on the tip of your fingers. Gone. Fatil awan. Time's over. And, and so the t- even Fir'aun, as you all are aware of, as in his last moments, I believe, Amant, I become a believer. And Annahu, indeed, number two, that there's no God besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that God upon which Banu Israel has believed in. Number two, and amongst from the believers. Three times he takes the shahada, three times he professes his Islam. Fir'aun, who claims to be God himself. That just tells us. That when the veils are lifted for the Akhirah and for the Barzakh, everyone is going to be saying this. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, help at that time. What was the response? Al-an, you choose to accept it now. And although you had led a life of disobedience all your life in the past, you had disobeyed Allah all your life in the past. And you were amongst the mischief makers. It is absolutely no benefit to do so now. The, 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 the intelligence is to know Allah when it's still time to do something. Because they say, no atheist on a sinking ship. No atheist on a sinking ship. Everyone as their plane is going down, the ship is sinking, is calling out to some supreme being. Is, is, is asking for forgiveness. That's how it is. When it comes tumbling down, at that time everyone is going to repent, right? We can understand that. So that's why, you know, it's not the, 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 the success is not about professing Islam at the last moments because that time everyone's going to do it. The reality is when Allah gives you the freedom, free will to do things, when you can choose to, to do good or choose to do bad, at that time to use your free will in a, in a positive manner and to say, no, I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I'm not going to misuse my freedom. Because we have, mashallah, abundance of wealth, abundance of time, abundance of health, abundance of connections. Mashallah, we're blessed with so many things. And this is a daily struggle that we all go through. Do I use this, what, the blessings I have to, to worship Allah the way He ought to, or do I do it to fulfill my desires? So a person who uh, worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this moment of when he's got full power, full, you know, he's youthful, he's a youngster, he's got all these amazing opportunities to do things, it will pay off. As it comes in certain, uh, mention, uh, some certain narrations, Abdi, i'rafni Oh my servant, get to know me in times of ease, I'll get to know you in the times of hardship. Right? Get to know me in the times of ease, I'll get to know you in the times of hardship. And it comes in other narrations about how it, it, those people who speak to Allah on a regular basis in when times are good then when times do get difficult and they raise their hand and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the angels say Ya Allah we recognize this voice this voice always used to supplicate to you Ya Allah now they make shafa'ah now they're interceding on this person's behalf that Ya Allah please listen to him because this is a voice that we recognize subhanAllah right so that's uh, that's 
the gold standard, the way we should be. That know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How, how do you like this? Someone who gets uh, a stipend from you, someone who gives uh, uh, gifts from you every month, you're sending him uh, you know, gifts anonymously or even with your name on it. Never turns back to thank you. And then something, the one, the one day, the one week or the one month that you didn't send him a gift, which you have no reason to do so, but you're just being nice. And he calls you up and says, hey, you know what? Are you sure you, you sent it for delivery? I still haven't received it. How would you feel? How would you feel, right? Three years in a row, three months in a row, three weeks in a row even, three days in a row, all right? right? If you were to send something to someone and he doesn't turn back to thank you, and then the fourth day you're delayed in the delivery or you choose not to send, he calls you up and says, where is it? Where's my stuff? Right? SubhanAllah. We would never want to give to that person. Allah Azza wa Jalla is so kareem. He continues to give us without us being worthy of receiving anything. Without us worthy of being receiving anything. And what He wants us to do is to worship Him while we have a chance so that we can attain uh, infinite, infinite blessings in the hereafter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that these people at the end, they will say this, and never did this confessional cry of theirs seize upon their lips. Zalat, fama zalat means it never ceased, meaning it continues. It always continues. It never. Da'wahum, their cries. What is their cry? Ya Allah, get me out of this mess. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I made a mistake. Right? They keep on crying. When they, when they see the black clouds coming, when they see the lightning striking, when they see the mudslide, when they see the avalanche, when they see the earthquake, when they see the tsunami. Huh? They, and by the time the plane is going down, there's still time. When the, sink is sh- the ship is slowly sinking, there's still time. Right? That there's time, how long? Maybe one minute, two minutes, three minutes. They're screaming. Allah says, as my punishment is coming in towards them, they're screaming. Till the last breath, they scream. Hasidan, Until we, we turn them into mere stubble. Khamidin, and they have been utterly extinguished. Jeep. Hasid is like when you, right now in fall, autumn season, when the harvest is done, the combines will come, and they'll go through the cornfields and the soybean fields, and what you see left over. Right? It, this is hasid, stubble on the ground. Nothing. They, you think about, oh, once upon a time, there were beautiful uh, plantations here. Once upon a time, there was six foot high, six foot high corn stalk. And what do you see right now? Absolutely nothing. Right? That's what happens. Khalas, where is the plantation? Where is the uh, farm? Where is everything? Nothing. It's all gone. That's called hasid. So they, were, they used to own once multi-billion dollar companies. They used to own once Massive empires, massive jets, massive this. Remember, we talked about uh, uh, the, the recently when when uh, the, the one of the uh, the uh, emirs of of the one of the states of UAE passed away, and says Subhanallah, like you know, what happened overnight? His name is written on the Burj, right, the tallest building, and then from there, within within 24 hours, right, you see the two pictures they had. One was where he was, the tallest building in the world has his name on it, and within 24 hours, you see just sand. Right, that's it. That's gonna happen to all of us. No matter how, you know, how high we go, at the end, hasid, khalas, stubble. Right? There's nothing left. Khamidin, you can be, you can be full of fire, rage. You can cause fire in the world. You can cause a lot of destruction. But when you go see a a big <clears throat> bonfire in morning time, fajr time, you had a bonfire last night. You go after fajr. You go check it out. What's left? It's all Khamidin is done, extinguished. You know, you just you can see that there was once a huge fire here twelve hours ago. Now the drizzle and the rain has come also, and after twelve hours, everything is just cooled off. There's this you can there's just athar, there's just signs of a fire that was here, and so this is the ending of every oppressor, whether he oppressed only himself or along with himself he oppressed nations. Allah Azza wa Jal is now. Moving on to this beautiful section here, uh, after talking about, you know, what these people have done, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says these people are not thinking; they are not thinking uh, about their purpose. Let's let's those of you who are you are alive still think about the purpose why Allah Azza wa Jalla has created. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has not created the heavens and the earth. And whatever is between them, la'ibin, as just a source of play, a source of play, any uh, a mere sport, as I mentioned over here. So, a person 
needs to realize there's so much going on in this world. Can it all be without a purpose? Can it all be without a purpose? What is lab? Lab means play. Lab means that action, that action which has no benefit. There is no real hidden purpose behind it. It doesn't stay, it's only temporary. There is no great uh, planning that goes beyond, behind that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness, His grandeur, His might, His power, His, His great being, it is above and beyond Him to create this entire creation, run the universe without a purpose. It just doesn't make sense. It's not possible. They say, فِعَلُ الْحَكِيمِ لَا تَخْلُوا The actions of a wise being cannot be void of some wisdom. A person who is walking around in the lobby or in the parking lot, uh, sometimes you see, sometimes people are driving around after hours. Then our, some of our beloved brothers will go and see, brother, everything okay? Some person is just walking around. It happens. Walking around the campus, walking around the masjid, 11 p.m., 12 p.m., 12 a.m. And you don't just let them walk around like that. If they're walking on half an hour, round and round in circles, or driving around, you're going to go, you're going to obviously approach them, ask them, oh, what's wrong? If a person says, nothing, why are you coming to ask me? See, because I'm watching for the last half hour, you're going back and forth, walking around this place, or walking around your neighborhood, walking around in front of your home, walking around anywhere. Well, in this gas station also, they'll, they, they'll call the police if someone's walking around the parking lot for more than 10 minutes. Why, you, the, what will the police come and ask? What are you doing here? And if the person says, nothing, I'm just, just walking, just walking around. What was the purpose? I don't have a purpose, I'm just walking around. They will definitely escort him out of the parking lot at the very least. It will, it's, this happens every day. This will, literally they will call the cops and the cops will come and make sure this person goes away because, and then possibly, very also possibly, may lead him, take him to a hospital for a checkup, depending on what symptoms he shows. But the idea is to walk for 10 minutes aimlessly is something not acceptable. To walk for 10 minutes aimlessly when asked, what are you doing? Nothing. It's not even thing I'm exercising, I'm waiting for someone. I don't know. What are you walking around for? I don't know. I don't know is not an acceptable answer. For 10 minutes of jaywalking or just walking around a place, how can a person say, I've lived 70 years of my life and I don't know why I'm here? I don't know why I'm married. I don't know why I have kids. I don't know why I have a job. I don't know why I go to work every day. Everything he says, I'm just doing it to, just because everyone else does it. But what's beyond this? What's the purpose of all of this? Why are you going to school to get a job? Why are you getting a job to earn? To why do you need to earn to take care of my family? But why do I need to have a family in the first place? I mean, really, come on, give me an answer. All we're doing is we're giving milestones. I'll give this example before that a person is traveling. His parents call him. Where are you headed? Like, where are you, how far are you? Let's say, or where are you going? He's going from here to, say, Milwaukee. And um, he says, I'm on, the, I'm on uh, Highway you know, 90 or 94 or 294. Okay, where are you headed? I'm on 294. That's not an answer. Where are you headed? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm on 294. That's not the answer. Okay, what do you, where are you headed? Exit 321. Where are you headed? Exit 345. That's not an answer. Those are simple milestones that you are passing by. Those are exits that you are passing by. That's not your destination. You got to say your destination is Milwaukee, Indianapolis, or somewhere else. Tell us what's your destination. You cannot keep on thinking that mile markers on the road are your destination, because they're not. And you cannot think exits are your destination, because they're not. You're simply passing through them. Rest area, you're passing through that. Gas station, you're passing through that to get to a purpose, which is ahadaf, which is a city you're trying to attain, go to. So similarly, when a person says, what are you doing, what's your purpose? High school, college, MCAT. Uh, board exams, uh, fellowship, uh, you know, postgraduate studies, my law degree, right? Uh, my internship, my summer internship, uh, my training, my marriage, uh, my first child, my second, and then you know another MBA, and then now a third child, and a fourth, and then now first one's marriage, second's marriage. We ask each other, what are you doing? These are the answers we get. These are not maqasid. These are not the purpose of life. These are simple milestones in our life, right? So we cannot mix up these two things because we have been unfortunately many times made to believe and fall into this erroneous belief that my milestone is actually my maqsad 
So he's so focused in his college. He's so focused in his high school. So focused in his work, 8 to 12, building his empire. Hmm? He's working 16 hours, 15 hours, whatever. And he's thinking that he's there. Now ask, ask him that subhanAllah, if this is your goal, then if you die right now, say in high school or in college, or uh, before you pay off your debts from college, where are you headed? Because if this is just a goal, if this was just a mile marker, you'll be a failure. Yes, if it was your goal, then you're successful. But we know, of course it's not our goal. That's not it. So if a person does not have deen, if he had deen in his life, his akhirah in his life, then even if he dies as a high school student, if he dies as a college student, if he dies after one year of residency, he's still successful. If he hasn't earned a cent, and he, died, he left a debt, he's still successful. If his niyyah was correct, if he's led a life of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person led a life of disobedience, then even after he's retired with a massive empire, and he's apparently led a very successful life, and children who are, you know, this, this is how we measure success. This is exactly how I measure. What did you become? What, how much is your earning potential? And how much of it did you achieve? Okay, we're done with that part. Next, what, type, what is a successful father? Is based on how many children was he able to get through to professional school. That's a, that is how you judge someone's being a successful parent nowadays. Right? That how many children have we gotten through, through a professional school? And how many of them are earning? What is the complete earning earn, er, worth of your household? Like a GDP of your household. You got four kids. From them and their wives together, or their husbands together, and yourself and your wife, how much is it? 1.2, 1.6, 2.5, 3. How much is a collective earning a year? This is what we judge successful success. Uh, how, you know, when a person says, "My son," I mean, it's a very important point. When a person wants to say, "My," I'm so proud of my son-in-law, or my daughter-in-law, or my husband, or, or my son, or my daughter. Immediately, what's the first introduction? Mashallah, he's X Y Z. Immediately, we highlight the profession, which equals to power which equals to, sorry, money and, and, and position in society. Always that's the kya karta hai, kya kamata hai, kya karta hai, kya kamata hai, kya hai. What has he studied? What does he earn? How much, how, how many rakats of nafil does he praise at night is never, never even on the horizon. No one even thinks about, no one forget about asking. The one who's doing the marriage is not even thinking. The one who's giving his daughter off to someone is not even thinking. Vast majority of the time. Because our priorities are unfortunately are really messed up. And so, this is what we're speaking about, that if seriously, is this whole entire globe just for you and I to earn money? Is that what it's about? Allah is always saying, no it's not. This, the, every single thing, how I'm, Allah is always saying, you wouldn't do that, you don't do jaywalking for 10 minutes and think that it's acceptable. How do you expect Allah to create this ever-expanding massive universe with such a beautiful level of precision in everything? And then you say, Limada. Why did Allah create all of this? I don't know. They don't know the answer. Ask your non-Muslim colleague at school, at work. Sit down and have a five-minute conversation about these questions. Why are we here? Where are you headed? Where did you come from? They will be shocked. Just get off your, uh, your phone for a moment and all the social media posting. How about let's just talk? What's the purpose of this? And he, will be, he, will, he won't have answers most of the time. Because we are not allowed to think along these lines. Society today is moving at such a fast pace and continuously keeping us involved in deceptive things that make us forget about our akhirah. That we don't have time to ask ourselves the simple question, why am I here? And we keep on being made to think erroneously and chase after the mile post, chase after the sign post, chase after the next rest area and gas station, and make it think that that's your journey, that is your maqsad. And make us completely, even this type of journey, you're never gonna get to Milwaukee if that's what you think. This is what it is. So Allah Azza wa Jal in this beautiful ayah is reminding us that this is. Something every human being needs to understand. We have not created a human, a human being, nor the jinn, except for the purpose of ibadah. Beloved friends, if there is no hikmah, you ask yourself, why is there so much suffering? Uh, actually, this is, this is not a point against us, this is a point for us in this conversation of theology and the conversation of uh, you know, what happens after the death and the purpose of life. It, suffering, human suffering in actually is a very good talking point. Because people think it's a weak point. Oh man, I don't know how to answer this existence of evil. You know, that's why the, people are presenting it as though that's a reason God doesn't exist or a reason as that there's no hereafter. And we actually under, must understand that this is the reason we should talk about this stuff. To see the fact 
that so much corruption is happening. Such a beautiful world, such perfection, such beauty that we cannot even imagine from the smallest yeah, insect, once from the one cell organism to the massive stars and sky and the, heaven, the celestial objects. What beauty there is in the creation of Allah. But why is there so much suffering in the world? If you're telling me all of this is without a purpose, man, this is a very depressing life we live in. What's, let's just end the conversation right here and end our lives as well. If you're telling me this is going nowhere. Soma vulma, a person can get married and cheat his spouse, cheat her spouse, to steal their money, steal their honor, uh, and use them for, to get a passport, use them to get to uh, some other thing, and then just divorce them, throw them on the road. Or, or and, and, and run through the courts and just suck up all their money and then you're telling me you're free to go this is, this is and how the world is going to run you have another person who executes a, a 50,000 people over a period of 10-15 years and he's allowed to subhanAllah we both end and we're going to go in the same ground and that's it huh? That, is a, that, that just makes no sense how can it be possible that such beautiful nizam, such a beautiful creation, if you don't know Allah, but the fact that everything is running so, uh, with such meticulous uh, you know, uh, beauty, uh, how can it be possible that these two people, hal yastawun, can they all be equal? Allah says, أَفَمَنْ كَانَ مُؤْمِنًا كَمَنْ كَانَ فَاسِقًا لَا يستوون. Can you imagine the person who's a believer and the one who's a sinner, that they can be the same? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The one who is blind, can he be equal to the one who can't see? Or the one who can see? Absolutely not. Allah is always asking us that just think that this, the fact that there's so much human suffering, in reality you have to ask yourself, there's got to be a reason for all this. And Allah is haq, as the next ayah will come. Allah is haq. Uh, that's one of his names, the truth, absolute. Allah Azza wa Jal is just, He's al-adil. It cannot happen that such a beautiful world can have such horrible things happening and no one to ask right no one to put anyone in their place so before we before we just move through our life beloved friends let's realize that every single thing there is a reason why it's happening and we have to stop and think if we have the correct answers our life will will be successful even if we don't have a single grain of rice to eat and if we don't have the answers for this, if we don't ask our questions, then subhanAllah, we can own a rice factory. But we'll be a failure. This is what Islam is teaching us. One narration is, مَثَرُ الْمُنَافِقِ كَالنَّاقَةِ عَقَلَهَا أَهْلُهَا فَلَا تَدْرِي لَا لِمَا عُقِلَتْ وَلَا لِمَا أُطْلِقَتْ The example of a hypocrite is like a camel whose family has tied it. A camel that does not know why it gets tied up and why it's loosened. The camel doesn't know. It does, it's going with life. It's munching through, eating through life. That's what Allah speaks about that in the Quran. They are just like livestock, nay, they are more astray. They eat the way livestock eat, and, and, and the hellfire is awaiting for them. Meaning, a, belief, a person who has no mission and vision in life is, is seriously more lost than an animal. Because the animal is not going to get punished for that. But a human being definitely who doesn't ask themselves these questions, brothers and sisters, then they will definitely be asked. Allah just says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has subdued for you. Allah has put for your service everything that's in the heavens and the earth, all of it. How is it possible, subhanAllah, that a king enters a room and everyone is there waiting to serve him? And he is waiting there. Can I, can I please, servant, pick up your shoes? Oh, you come here. Can I please scrub your shoes? Can I please comb your beard? He is going around serving the servants. And the, the crown is, is waiting to be placed on his head. The throne is waiting for him to be ascended. And subhanAllah, he has lost his mind. That's what you're going to say. The king has lost his mind. Beloved friends, we are the king. Allah has made us a khalifa here. And everything here is to serve us. We are not here to serve. As it, as it comes in one narration, that the dunya has been created for the human being. And we have created the dunya for you, O human being, and you have been created for us. Right, so don't run, don't run after what is there to serve you. Don't run after the servants. The servants are there to serve you. Had we intended to take up an amusement, Allah says, if we wanted to have fun, if we wanted to have fun uh, and just play around, we would more surely have taken it from the higher realm that is with us. 
and not from the world if we ever were to do so. What does this mean? Right? And that if, if, we int- if Allah Azza wa Jal simply created this world to have a scientific exper- experiment, you know, right? just let's do it, let's have some, some fun and see what this human being does. Allah says, I don't need you. I don't need you to have fun. I don't need you. Allah, if this were to be said, I don't need you to, in, to have pastime and to have an amusement. Like someone says, imagine exam scores are there. Sheikh, I worked very hard. Exams for the students are coming now. I worked so hard. I stayed up night after night, day after day. And I can't believe, I got a 10%. And my paper, I literally answered everything more than you asked for. Can you please tell me why you got a 10%? And imagine if I said, yeah, the reason you got a 10% is, I got a brand new gift, as a, uh, someone gifted me a brand new pen. And I was just trying to see how it uh, works. So I just, just wrote some number on it. And it just, I guess, happens to be your number. So this is your seventh year, you know, graduation <laughs> numbers. Uh, this is your, uh, your MCAT score. This is your, ma- uh, your, your score on your last exam of your bachelor's degree. And I decided to test my pen on it. Does that make sense? But this is not a joke. Whatever you die on and I die on is gonna, the rest of eternity depends on this. Jannah or Jahannam. So Allah Azza wa is not playing with our lives to say, you know, I wanted to have fun. So let me just create Jannah and Jahannam, throw you and see how you all do. That's what Allah is saying. No, I don't need you to have fun. I don't need to play with your lives to have fun. There's a purpose behind that. You are under a test. This is not mere fun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us so that we can worship Him and we can express and we can manifest Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, rahmah. We can be a source of, of manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rahmah on earth. Beloved friends, this aspect of understanding our maqsad in this life is I think the gist of everything right now. Because we are living in a life and of absolute, everyone's thinking that this is all fun, fun and amusement. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, how are we spending our weekends? How are we spending our summer breaks, winter breaks? How are we spending our weekend, our Saturday nights, our weeknights? It's based on what we want to do. But we really didn't come here to do what we want to do. We've come here to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do. So let's, next time you ask yourself this question, why am I here? If you say because I just wanted to, that's a wrong answer. When a person follows their nafs, we end up to the situation where we are in the world today. No morals, no ethics, no values. Completely lost our mind. The world has lost their mind. This Friday night, we'll be covering, Mufti Minhaj will be covering the topic on abortion. And one of the reasons, as he will mention on Friday, that this has been uh, uh, brought up as a, as, a, as, a, as a workshop or seminar after not having a uh, seminar for, 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 for since COVID. But we started off with this first one because it's a very important issue. Because our men and especially, unfortunately, our sisters have been affected by the liberal agenda. And subhanAllah, we're supposed to be explaining, we're supposed to be leading this whole discussion of, uh, you know, the importance of, of, of the amana of life. But what's happened in some states, it is the Muslimat who are actually suing the states. I just read yesterday how in, in one of the nearby states, a Muslim is, is, is suing the state. It's mentioned straight up. A Muslim, you know, her name is that. She's suing the state for um, banning abortion. And you're seeing this, this whole uh, uh, movement spreading all the way into the Muslim countries. You know? My body, my choice. And they have slogans in Urdu. And there are few people, but they're chanting through the streets of Muslim countries. And of course, they get a lot of news media coverage. And that, that is just a symptom of the bigger problem. Your body is not your choice. And it's not my choice. It's not the husband's choice either, by the way. No husband's choice, no wife's choice. You, husband, wife. No, we made mashallah, we decided to have an abortion. No, it doesn't work like that. Just to tell you how big of a serious issue this becomes, so one of the students here was telling me, I was mentioning in class, subhanAllah, she said, all my friends have already had an abortion. And I just like froze. I was like, like seriously, but you know, I couldn't express my disbelief that, uh, you know, a, a, a young sister is saying that all her friends have already. Like, what does what the world come to? Your husband, your father, no one has a right to just sit there and say, Khalas, you're feeling a lot of pressure. I'm hearing this. I'm getting stressed out. I don't think I can handle a second child. Anxiety. 
people asking a fatwa. Well, I'm having anxiety. So I want to... And I'm like, no, you have to ask the Dalifta. Like, I, this is just crazy, man. What are you talking about? The Dalifta will give you no also, but... Oh, no, we already scheduled it. It's going to happen on the 16th. Like, okay, what's the point of asking? No husband wants me to ask. The number of questions I'm seriously start receiving right now about this is just crazy. Not just the fact that anecdotal evidence I'm telling you of. One person saying, all the sisters she know have already committed this. It tells you how pervasive this liberal agenda has overtaken the minds of the, of the, human, of the Muslims. Okay, literally we've begun to think that I can do whatever I want. And of course, if, you, if your, your, your body, uh, what you might call it, you're, you're right, then of course you can choose who you want to be attracted to. You can choose who you want to like and get married to. And of course you can choose whether you want to be this gender, that gender, or no gender. I mean, what's left anymore? And that's exactly what we're saying. No, this is not your choice. Every single thing. You're an abd. Remember, you're a slave. You're not, you, you don't own anything. You own nothing. You own no... Already Allah purchased your wealth and your life. Allah already purchased a deal over. And I'm giving you in lieu of that jannah. You can't say that this is mine. All of this is an amana. Allah is just allowing us to use it. He created it. He lent it to us. That's it. He's watching us. How are we going to utilize that? So this aspect, it requires ilm. This learning of this is fardain, fardain, Beloved fathers and mothers, beloved students, and boys and girls, before we get married, before we go to college, before we do all these things, we have to learn ilm al-tawheed. We have to learn what it means to be an abd and what it means to have a creator. Right? We will never be successful in the world if we don't get this. This is not fard kifaya. This is fard ayn. When we come to the dars of tafsir, when we come to the dars of Bukhari, when we come to the dars of fiqh, anything you're coming for, we are not, or we go to any conference, we go to any retreat. Beloved friends, ask yourselves, why am I going there? So after the end of the talk, man, that was a great talk. Let me retweet that. Let me take a picture of it and post it. When people are up, everyone's pulling out the cameras. Everyone is videotaping. Everyone is, you know, just focusing on, 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 on capturing, capturing that. Allahu Akbar. How much is the heart capturing? Right? That's the whole point. That you're supposed to reflect this, coming in this dars, or coming in any dars, is not the end all. This is just the beginning. If you entered the dealership, you haven't bought a car yet. If you entered a grocery store, you tell your wife, done. And grocery list done. Okay, I'm going back into the car. What? You just went into the grocery store. You walked around and came back. It doesn't count. You have to go and do what you've been asked to do or what you need to do. Purchase all those things and come out. Attending a dars, going to a retreat, going to a conference, going to some Islamic seminar, and coming back empty-handed means nothing. If we don't bring into amal and practice what we heard, we are deceiving ourselves. These lectures, these talks, these durus are not for a just random, you know, uh, an opportunity for us to meet up with friends. An opportunity, yeah, you know, conferences, what are conferences? Unfortunately, what have they been made into? And other places too, other dini talks too. Like, like a very famous, you know, tabligh ishtima happens, this happened this past weekend. SubhanAllah, a place you'd expect it to be absolutely filled with spirituality. But how many thousands, subhanAllah, missed the point? miss the point they'll spend the entire time in the bazaar spend the entire time drinking chai meeting friends walking around here and there and then they show up for the final dua we're in the ishtama this is you know all know in Pakistan, India everywhere same thing so people are thinking that subhanAllah just in being in the vicinity I'm gonna get something it doesn't work like that no, we have to actually go with the niyyah that I'm here to learn and I'm here to practice and then ask ourselves what from last week till this week what changes come into me from last week to this week. Beloved brothers, and let me make it one very clear point. This dars of tafsir is not as much as, as making us into an advanced student of knowledge of Qur'an. More than making us a simple Muslim. A muwahid, a lover of Allah, a lover of Rasulullah a someone whose moral compass is right. Someone whose moral compass is correct. Someone who has a correct way of approaching dunya versus akhirah, mal versus a'mal, makhluk versus khaliq. Just to get these basic principles that's what, this is the starter. This is not the end all. This is just to get the ball rolling. So that when you go home, we enroll in a class. Online class, on-site class. So we go home, we start reading a book. So we go home and we start you know, re- doing our, our effort at home with our spouse and our children. This is not the end all. Coming to the dars of tafsir is not going to change a person's life if he doesn't make the niyyah that I'm here to actually get closer to Allah. And I'm here with the niyyah of amal. 
that I'm listening with the niyab that I have to put into practice. Is that right? So this is what we're speaking about. That Allah, this is the core principle of everything. That we, oh, this is not khalkud, not a place for play and, and, and just enjoyment. Instead, we have to immediately understand that our maqsad is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to simply do what everyone else is doing. If we have understood this ayah, then our life must be different from the rest. Our life must be different from the rest. Our weddings must be different from the rest. Our uh, events must be different from the rest. The way we choose a spouse must be different from the rest. The way we pray salah must be different from the rest. Because Islam is not about salah only. Islam is not only about the scarf. Islam is not only about a beard. Islam is not only about coming to the masjid. These are just ins- single elements of Islam. Islam is something much, much, much more comprehensive. So when the basic basis is weak, then we hold on to one thing. But what else do you want me to do? I come for Jummah. What else you want me to do? I come and pray Isha. What else you want me to do? But you'll see all the mu'ashara down the drain, akhlaq down the drain, mu'amala down the drain. That is not Islam. So what's happening? The foundation is weak. That's why we are practicing on something and leaving out something. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us true tawheed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us true, true, true understanding of deen. May Allah save us from leading a life in which we are thinking that we're here forever and that is just a mere enjoyment. On the contrary, we but hurl the truth against falsehood. is to throw. Qadfud is to like pelt with stones. Right? Allah says, we take the truth and we throw it against the falsehood. It utterly smashes it. It utterly smashes it. And thus it, it vanishes. So all the punishing woe of hellfire shall assuredly be yours for all that you falsely ascribe to Allah. Allah Jalla Jalla is saying that all, look at the past, what happened? Anyone, any, anyone who decided to uh, stand up for falsehood, eventually they were all destroyed. Anytime falsehood raises its head, its dirty head, snake-like head in front of the truth, Allah lets it play around, but eventually it gets knocked with a hammer. You know the word dimag. What's dimag? Brain, right? Fayadmahu literally means to take out the brains. Right? Allah throws haq against battle so hard that the brain gets, the head, skull gets smashed and the brain comes out. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the truth and smashes the battle. What happens to the batil? It all of a sudden vanishes. It happens a little bit into this world, and but the real one is going to, the, 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 the everlasting smashing is going to happen in the hereafter. But we have to have trust in this ayah. The batil may seem to be very strong and powerful, and may seem to be very conniving and 10 steps ahead of us. But if you are in haq, then you having less money, less power, less votes, less, less anything, Wallahi means nothing. Because at the end, the people of Haq will prevail. You will be above and beyond if you are believers. Brothers, what is the difference between us and the Sahaba? They used to say, La ilaha illallah, we say, La ilaha illallah. They say, Subhanallah, we say, Subhanallah. What's the difference? That they were able to do what you and I are not. Uh, one of them is not able to do what uh, it was able to do, what literally, exaggerate, without an exaggeration, what a million of us can't do. A million of us cannot do with one Sahabi did. How? Because our La ilaha illallah is empty. It's just words. Allah forgive me. Allah forgive us. He thought, you know, just, just chat. This is the reality. We, as ulama say, our istighfar, istighfaruna istighfar. Our istighfar requires istighfar. It's such a cheap, horrible mazak and a joke of an istighfar. We're like a person is saying, I'm sorry, but he's laughing through his teeth. He's giggling. I'm sorry. What kind of, what kind of I'm sorry is that? When we're saying istighfar, it's our heart pain, paining and ache for every salah we missed. For every time we, we miss, we, every time we heard haram, we looked at haram, we thought haram, we walked towards haram, we, we wasted our time. Are we in pain for that? And what does astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah mean? It means nothing, right? If it's, it's hollow, it's hollow. The Sahaba, when they said, La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, istighfar, it was filled with meaning. And that's why they were able to achieve things which you and I are not able to achieve. The quality, the foundation of our iman has to become strong. Allah, when we become strong, then Allah will take the haq that we're on and smash it on batil, no matter how strong the batil is. The jal is strong, yes, definitely. Shaitan is very strong, yes. 
But guess what? It's already mentioned in the Quran. He's definitely going into hellfire and you know he'll be in the deepest, 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 deepest part of Jahannam because he's misled billions and trillions of people. This is the reality. What is Dajjal's ending? What's the, what is the Dajjajila of today's ending? What are the Tawagheed and the Fara'ina of today? They're all going to go into the deepest parts of hell. That's the statement. That is what exactly was going to happen. We have to make sure we are with Haqq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, For you will be the woe of the all-punishing hellfire for all these that you ascribed against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for Allah, lahu wa lahu. For Him belongs all those who are in the heavens and the earth. Batil can try to act strong, but it is so limited because even the blinking of the eye of the people of Batil is in the control of Allah. Even the sipping of the water and for it to flow down the throat is in the control of Allah. Even their digestive system, their respiratory system, their ability to see and hear and comprehend, every single thing is in the hands of Allah. Not them only. Man fis samawati wal ard. Everyone who's in the heavens and the earth. Ma fis samawati wal ard. Everything that's in the heaven and the earth. Ma fis samawati wa ma fil ardi wa ma bainahuma. Whatever's in the earth, whatever's in the heavens, and whatever's between them. All belongs to absolute, to absolutely to Allah subhanahu wa taala. How does it belong? Khalqan wa milkan wa tasarrufan. Three things. He he created it. He owns it, and he has the ability to fully control it in any way he wants. Sometimes you live in a house but you don't own. Sometimes you own a house but you don't live in it. And sometimes you own and of course live in it, but the final say is not yours. Because the, the, if you don't pay your taxes, it's gone. If you don't pay the mortgage, it's gone. Right? So, and then of course, even if you do everything, the ending, what happens? When you die, the house is not going with us in the grave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him from beginning to end, from khalqan, from it creating this heavens and the earth. Mulkan, from, from him having an ownership of it. Tasarrufan, from him being able to do whatever he wants in it. All belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Woman and those who are near to him, the angels, La Yastakbirun an ibadatihi, they are never disdainful of his worship. Nor do they grow weary of it. This is an ishara. Allah Azawajal is telling us here that if you want to be angelic, then remember you cannot uh, be arrogant, arrogantly turning your face away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's worship. You cannot get tired of worshiping Allah. And that's what an angel is. If you want to be angelic, you want the qualities of an angel, then we need to be humbled. Or always humble, rather. Always humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, never getting tired of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Continuous dhikr of Allah. Yusabbihoon al-layla wa nahar They give due exaltation to Him by night and by day, never pausing. Futur is to get tired, right? Futur to get tired. So they never get tired. They're always worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amittakhadu alihatam al-ard Allah says, then as those who disbelieve, have they really taken gods from the earth who resurrected the dead? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us, how do you have multiple gods? Have you seriously, think about this, are you taking, are you just randomly choosing gods from around the world? And are these people, like what made you turn to someone besides Allah? As Allah says in Surah Al-Fitar, Ya ayyul insan, O human being, ma gharraka bi rabbika al-kareem, what has deceived you with regards to your Generous Lord. Have you found someone who's more powerful than me? Have you found someone who's more caring than me? Have you found someone who is who is who has more power who has more power abilities than I? Where are you turning? Allah says, What aspect of this false gods has made you leave me and go to them? When we talk about false gods and false deities in the Quran, we shouldn't think that, oh Alhamdulillah, we're not Hindus, we're not uh, Buddhists, we're not uh, this and we're not that. We should, regard, we should think that false gods are something much general, more general than just idols. It is definitely that false idol that is not made out of stone, but it's in our heart. It is something we turn to at the time of need. It is something that we will be willing to sacrifice anything and everyone, everyone for. And today, that is name, fame, money, and power. Those are things that a person will be willing to leave his deen for, simply for name. Simply for name. He will be living to, he will be willing to leave his deen, not worried about how he angers Allah, because he wants to fit into society. That's the idol. Who is the idol? The upper class. Huh? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that he. Um, إِذَا أَرَدْنَا أَنُّهُلِكَ قَرْيَةً أَمَرْنَا مُتْرَفِيهَا فَفَسَقُوا فِيهَا فَحَقَّ عَلَيْهِ الْقَوْلُ فَدَمَّرْنَاهَا تَدْمِيرًا Whenever we want to destroy a nation, 
This is the hidden, hidden systems in the background that Allah allows us once in a while to see. Right? Takwini umur, how things happen in the back end. Whenever a nation is destined to be destroyed, amrna mutrafiha. Well, there's many, many tafasir of this ayah. But one simple explanation of it. We order those mutraf. Mutraf are those who are li- living the life. The luxury, the luxury life. The high rollers. Huh? That's what we call it. The high rollers. Allah says, we, we order them to obey me. Allah says, you all mutrafin, those who are high rollers, come on. Obey me. Obey Allah. Are they going to obey Allah? Uh-uh. They disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They cause a ruckus. They, they lit up the, the, the nightlife. And what does the rest of the people do? They follow the high rollers. They say these are the movers and shakers of society. Pop stars, musicians, artists, celebrities. Okay? And the, the wealthier class. They're the ones who set the trends. So when they start setting the trends, and all the average bichara people who don't have all this stuff, they say, oh, we gotta be like them. And so they begin to follow them. فَدَمَّرْنَا تَدْمِيرًا We utterly erase all of them. This is how punishment comes. When the upper class and the, the luxury, luxury living class begins to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rest of the people begin to follow their footsteps. Because we want to simply be accepted by them. And that becomes a reason for the utter destruction. So these are the false gods we have. As someone as, as, as commonly said, when a need strikes you, when you are in need, who do you turn to? Do you turn to your phone? Do you turn to your credit card? Do you turn to uh, the, 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 the bank, banker? Do you turn to the lawyer? What's the first thing? Today he's going to save me. Today he's going to save me. That thought that someone can save you when you're in need is the dangerous thing. That thought should always be only Allah. Then all other asbab. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is musabbibul asbab. He's in control of all means. This person I'm about to call, let me call him. But let me quickly pray. Quick will do. Turaqa salatul hajjah. Beg Allah azza wa jal. Ya Allah, I'm not saying quick, but you can make it slow, you know, depending on the situation. Someone is dying, of course, that's what I'm saying. Then in that case, you can, if you might have time to pray turaqa salatul hajjah at that time. But of course, your heart needs to be turned towards Allah. Read salawat, do dhikr, and then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. I want to share with you a story that just came to my mind right now. One of the brothers, you know, he, he really revived my iman uh, recently. And he was just saying that he was traveling uh, overseas. And on the way, subhanAllah, uh, when arriving at the airport in another city, not in Chicago, he traveled to one city and then from there onwards international, he realized uh, that he, when he stayed at the hotel, the next morning he had to catch an international flight, he saw his passport is, is not there. It's gone. Passport not there. So he said, what am I supposed to do? I'm stuck in another city, I don't have a passport, and he's traveling with a whole group, a whole family. And he says, now what? I can maybe go back to my home, but what's going to be this whole entire trip? Thousands have spent, booked this, that. And he said, I got so worried, I went back to the airport. I said, maybe, I remember my passport is in my pocket, and I think it, it probably dropped in the airplane. This is now 1 a.m. 1 a.m. He's going back to the airport, the airport is completely closed. And you know what happens if you have to go to the airport at 1 a.m. I learned it the hard way too, by the way. Yeah, subhanAllah, it's, I'm just letting you know, brothers who don't know, brothers and sisters, airports do close. Right? So, and I'll, I'll tell you a simple example. If your flight's at, let's say, 12.30, uh, 11 p.m. Or, 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 or 12 a.m., and your flight got delayed, you're checking on your phone, the flight got delayed to, say, 2.30 a.m. because of, of storms or whatever the case may be. Now, uh, what you may be thinking, which I did, is like, man, what am I going to sit in the airport for three hours? And so tired. Let me just stay with the friend who's dropping me off. Oh, one hour before, we're gonna go to the airport at 1:30 a.m. No one's gonna be there. That's exactly what I did. The flight from t- it kept on getting delayed. It went up all the way till 3:30. I show up one hour before the flight, and everything's closed. I'm like, wait, where's the TSA? There's one random dude, guy there. He's like, what are you here for? I said, my ca- flight, my cat. So call us. He said, no, no, no. TSA is not here. TSA comes at 4:30 a.m. You cannot. My, my airplane is there. I have a ticket. It doesn't make a difference. You needed to be inside there before the TSA leaves. And sometimes in some airports, TSA leaves at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Locally here, I think Midway and stuff like that, they close even earlier. So just something I learned the hard way, so I'm telling you as well, if your flight gets delayed in the middle of the night, don't think you can go up an hour before that. You have to go before the security closes. So he was saying, he goes there and he sees that the airport, there's no one there. And he's, how am I supposed to go? He found one person and he told him, please, uh, begging them that, you know, I need to get to the airport. He said, absolutely not. There's no, there's no one here. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow morning. But my flight's tomorrow morning. It doesn't make a difference. And you want to go in the airplane? There's no one who has access to the airplane. 
So he told this brother was saying, I just continuously just reading non-stop salawat, begging Allah, salawat, 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 right? Sending salutation upon the Prophet Praying two rakat salat al-hajjah. So as soon as I finished, all of a sudden a man popped up in front of me. He said, he's just walking towards me, an old man. <laughs> and he said, he looked at him and he goes to him and says, please can you help me? And he said, what happened to you? And he said, this is a situation. He's like, you know what? He's like 70 year old man, working in the airport for 40 years. Right? He said, and he says, you're just, you're just lucky. He says, you're just lucky. He says, I am the only one who has access to an airplane. I'm a technician. And I have access, no one else has access to an airplane after hours just like that. So I can go and I, you, I don't make rounds here. The airport is closed. For some reason, I was just here in the night, nothing to do, so I came for a walk. And I see you outside. So he said, you wait here, it's going to take me time, but I'll go do something. He goes back, he waited for 25 minutes, he comes back. And he says, he's empty-handed, right? And he's like, oh my God. Now he starts crying even more. Salawat, ya Allah, ya Allah, please. And he comes and says, where is he? He said, I looked everywhere. It wasn't there. I couldn't see it. So then he's like, please, can you do something else? He said, okay. Let me call the control tower. And let me find out who is the cleaning crew. So he calls the control tower. He says, I have a friend there. Again, 2 a.m. I don't know who's sitting there. And they say, oh yeah, there's a cleaning crew. We'll find out. Give us a half an hour. And they found out. And subhanAllah, he goes back in. In another half hour, he comes back with a passport. And then he even said the name. He says, there's a lady with her first name, last name. She's asking you to pray for her. Ajib! With her name. The cleaning crew lady said, this is the passport and give that man... I, I really moved to tears when he told me this. He said, give this man the passport and tell him to pray for me. What Ajib! Like she knew that this man must be a special person. That what afkar he must be doing, what relationship with Allah he must have had, that all this stuff is happening for him. Alright? Non-Muslim lady. And she's like, I want you to just request a prayer for me. Now he told me it's been two weeks, three weeks, whatever. That old man, he sat there and he said, I cried. He said, I cried so much. And uh, I was just overjoyed. And I tried to give him, I said, you know, it's 2 a.m. What can I do? Can I buy you lunch? Can I give you a gift card? He's absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you want to pay me back, I want you to similarly help someone in need. I want you to help someone in need. This is the only way you can pay back. Ajeeb, 70 plus or 70, almost 70 year old, you know, 68 or whatever year old person. SubhanAllah, he said, we started talking about Islam, purpose in life, exchange phone numbers. And I told him, SubhanAllah, invite this person to the Sira conference or something like that, you know. I said, he's got probably enough, he works for the airline, he's got enough free points to come here. <laughs> or we'll pay him, we'll invite him, no problem. And I, the idea, the gist what I just mentioned is that how literally when you have no, these stories teach you that Allah is musabib al-asbab. Allah is the control of means. When you have not, but we unfortunately, we don't learn like without this. When we have means, we always looking towards means. We, these type of incidents, we, we really learn who Allah is. But they're lucky who turn to Allah at this time. Others will just give up or do something else. This is the power. And since this is Rabiul Awwal too, and we have a, five, a 25 million salawat goal, so I want to also remind you of that. That this is something we need to utilize in our daily life. Abundance of salawat upon the Prophet ﷺ. Whatever needs you have, turn to Allah. And inshallah, Allah Azza wa will fulfill that. And we will not need to then turn to any false gods. Allah is alive. Allah of Badr is Allah of today. Allah who has destroyed batil of the past is here today as well. Ready to assist us. We only have to turn to Him and help. Look at Afihima Aliha. Had there been in either heaven or earth any gods other than Allah, both the heaven and the earth would most surely have become corrupted by competing deities. So highly exalted is Allah, Lord of the throne, far above all that they ascribe to Him. This ayah is basically simply saying, you, two chefs ruin the broth. You cannot have two pilots. You cannot have two pilots. When I was long ago in the 90s when you're allowed to visit the cockpit, I visited the cockpit as a young child. And I, I asked the pilot, and they saw two of them with their steering wheels. And I asked the pilot, co-pilot, I said, oh, how does this work? You both have steering wheels. I do both. So then they're like, no, we take turns. Right? Landing, take off, one will do, and so forth, stuff like that. And then I said, do it sometimes, what if you both are holding onto the steering wheel? I asked this. I was a six, seven-year-old. He said, whoever's got the stronger arm will win. All right, there you go. Even in that case, you cannot have two pilots leading a plane. And if you were to do so, the stronger one will win. Allah is saying, if you had two gods, it, the world would never run. The other one, whoever loses, uh, is, cannot be the god. Whoever, uh, is, whoever has to listen to the other, cannot be the god. Right? It cannot be. Because that's just part of the nature of God, that He cannot be questioned, he cannot be, he cannot be second in line. He has to always be first. Allah is above and beyond that. 
لا يسألوا عما يفعل one of beautiful ayats of the Quran that I love to share he shall, Allah shall never be called to account for what he does yet they'll be questioned by him about all that he has done in life what is it saying to us here that Allah being God it requires it's, part, it's necessarily part of the definition about being God Almighty that you cannot be asked why you do what you do so when people say how come this is happening how come Allah did this how come my brother got this and I got that wait are you, are you criticizing Allah's decision? Yeah, I'm asking him why he did it. Well, if you're criticizing him, and if you're asking him, trust me, he, he, then, that's not, then you don't believe in Allah the way he ought to be believed in. Because if he's Allah, he cannot be questioned what he does. Whatever he does. Because today's youth, and people of today's confused community, keeps on asking, I, I want to question, I question Allah about this, I question Allah about that. No, you're sorry, you're questioning someone else. You can't be questioning Allah. Whoever you're questioning is not Allah. Because Allah Azza wa Jal, He says it. I cannot be asked about what I do. Because why? Because He's Allah and everyone else. Same thing. What does a father say to his, you know, to his child? I'm the dad. I'm the father. This is my, the rules of my house. Not your rules. Not your house. Everyone says that at home. Now Allah Azza wa Jal. We're nothing. We're just, we're both, uh, we're both makhluk of Allah. But we say that because we're, you know, we're the father. Or we're the husband. Or we're the mother. Whatever. Allah is khaliq. We're makhluk. And how dare we question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's authority? Second explanation of this is that part of Allah's mercy and adil on this earth is there's no need for questioning Him. For example, if a paper was given, multiple choice question, and uh, with Scantron and whatever, every single thing is done meticulously. I check after the machine does it, I check again, I give it to my colleague, he checks it again, and I give it back. Everyone's looking, someone's got 99, someone got 59, someone got 49, someone got 89. But what are they doing? Because it's been so meticulously checked, there is no opportunity for anyone to even criticize. How come I got a 15? It's right here, man. Look. You put the answer. This is the, this is the answer key. It is what it is. There you go. There's no opportunity for questioning. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's justice is so great that in the long run, not in the dunya, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this place a darul amal, a place of imtihan and a place of action. Darul jaza is coming still. You cannot divorce the world from the akhir and judge Allah by this. You have to bring it together. Right? It's like one half of the sandwich. What kind of sandwich is this if you only got the top part? Come on, man. The rest of the meat is on the bottom. If you just give the top part of the bun, what kind of burger is that, right? The bun, and the lettuce, the tomatoes, the cheese, the burger, all that stuff is in the other one. Akhirah is the other burger, part of the burger. Dunya is just the top part. You understand that? Huh? So who wants that? Imagine I eat the bottom part and give you the top part. No one's going to like that. So we cannot divorce dunya and akhirah from one another. To understand Allah's attributes and sifats fully, Allah's justice, Allah's rahmah, we have to bring it together. Inshallah, we'll continue uh, from over here next week. I mean, Takhdim Duni Ali, this is where we had recited the Quran till as well. Um, and inshallah, Tabarak wa Ta'ala, so those of us who haven't, uh, we're still working on technicalities of sending, just trying to figure out the, a good text message service. If you still do not receive text messages from before, just take a quick uh, uh, picture of this, inshallah. There's always new people joining in for the tafsir. So if you want to uh, stay connected, please take a picture of this, inshallah, quickly. Sisters, brothers, those who are online as well. Um, and this is this weekend's uh, Friday night monthly seminar. Inshallah, please try your best to invite as many people as possible. As, as I've said, this is a very pertinent topic and it's not to my knowledge been covered too, in too many places. Right? So I request everyone to make a point to be here, inshallah, uh, this Friday evening uh, and bring your family, friends, especially our mothers and sisters, daughters to come listen to this topic as well. And this, these are the upcoming two major events. Sira conference is going to be November 11th and 12th. And the winter intensive is going to be, inshallah, 23rd to 25th. Um, uh, Sira conference flyers are outside. We have a 25 million salawat goal. I will request you, inshallah, to, uh, all to be part of that goal and work on uh, helping us reach, inshallah. And, and those of us who want to register for the Sira conference can do so as well over here.